Section twenty four of Modeste Mignon by Henri de Balzac. Translated by Catherine Prescott Warmly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section twenty four of Modeste Mignon by Henri de Balzac. Read by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 24. The Poet Feels That He Is Loved Too Well. An hour later, Modeste, charmingly equipped in a bottle-green cashmere habit, a small hat with a green veil, buckskin gloves, and velvet boots which met the lace frills of her drawers, and mounted on an elegantly comparisoned little horse, was exhibiting to her father and the Duc de Harivel the beautiful present she had just received. She was evidently delighted with an attention of a kind that particularly flatters women. "'Did it come from you, Monsieur le Duc?' she said, holding the sparkling handle toward him. There was a card with it saying, "'Guess if you can,' and some asterisks. Francois and Dumais credit Butcha with this charming surprise but my dear Butcha is not rich enough to buy such rubies. And as for Papa, to whom I said, as I remember on Sunday evening, that I had no whip, he sent to Rouen for this one, pointing to a whip in her father's hand, with a top like a cone of turquoise, a fashion then in vogue which has since become vulgar. I would give ten years of my old age, mademoiselle, to have the right to offer you that beautiful jewel, said the Duke courteously. "'Ah, here comes the audacious giver,' cried Modeste, as Canalise rode up. "'It is only a poet who knows where to find such choice things, monsieur,' she said to Melchior. "'My father will scold you and say you justify those who accuse you of extravagance.' "'Oh!' exclaimed Canalise, with apparent simplicity. "'So that is why La Briere rode at full gallop from Havre to Paris.' "'Does your secretary take such liberties?' said Modeste, turning pale and throwing the whip to Francois with an impetuosity that expressed scorn. "'Give me your whip, papa.' "'Poor Ernest, who lies there on his bed half-dead with fatigue,' said Canalise, overtaking the girl who had already started at a gallop. "'You are pitiless, mademoiselle.' "'I have,' the poor fellow said to me, "'only this one chance to remain in her memory.' "'And should you think well of a woman who could take presents from half the parish?' said Modeste. She was surprised to receive no answer to this inquiry, and attributed the poet's inattention to the noise of the horse's feet. "'How you delight in tormenting those who love you,' said the Duke. "'Your nobility of soul and your pride are so inconsistent with your faults that I begin to suspect you calumniate yourself, and do those naughty things on purpose.' "'Ah, have you only just found that out, Monsieur le Duc?' she exclaimed, laughing. "'You have the sagacity of a husband.' They rode half a mile in silence. Modeste was a good deal astonished not to receive the fire of the poet's eyes. The evening before, as she was pointing out to him an admirable effect of setting sunlight across the water, she had said, remarking his inattention, "'Well, don't you see it?' to which he replied, "'I can see only your hand.' but now his admiration for the beauties of nature seemed a little too intense to be natural. "'Does Monsieur La Briere know how to ride?' she asked, for the purpose of teasing him. "'Not very well, but he gets along,' answered the poet, cold as Gobenheim, before the colonel's return. At a crossroad, which Monsieur Magnon made them take through a lovely valley to reach the height overlooking the Seine, Canalis let Modeste and the Duke pass him, and then reined up to join the colonel. 
monsieur le comte he said you are an open-hearted soldier and i know you will regard my frankness as a title to your esteem when proposals of marriage with all their brutal or if you please too civilized discussions are carried on by third parties it is an injury to all we are both gentlemen and both discreet and you like myself have passed beyond the age of surprises let us therefore speak as intimates i will set you the example i am twenty-nine years old without landed estates and full of ambition mademoiselle modeste as you must have perceived pleases me extremely now in spite of the little defects which your little girl likes to assume not counting those she really possesses said the colonel smiling i should gladly make her my wife and i believe i could render her happy the question of money is of the utmost importance to my future which hangs to-day in the balance all young girls expect to be loved whether or no fortune or no fortune but you are not the man to marry your dear modeste without a dot and my situation does not allow me to make a marriage of what is called love unless with a woman who has a fortune at least equal to mine i have from my emoluments and sinecures from the academy and from my works about thirty thousand francs a year a large income for a bachelor if my wife brought me as much more i should still be in about the same condition that i am now shall you give mademoiselle a million ah oh, monsieur we have not reached that point as yet said the colonel jesuitically then suppose said canalis quickly that we go no further we will let the matter drop you shall have no cause to complain of me monsieur le comte the world shall consider me among the unfortunate suitors of your charming daughter give me your word of honour to say nothing on the subject to any one not even to mademoiselle modeste because he added throwing a word of promise to the ear my circumstances may so change that i can ask you for her without dot i promise you that said the colonel you know monsieur with what assurance the public both in paris and the provinces talk of fortunes that they make and unmake people exaggerate both happiness and unhappiness we are never so fortunate nor so unfortunate as people say we are there is nothing sure and certain in business except investments in land i am awaiting the accounts of my agents with very great impatience the sale of my merchandise and my ship and the settlement of my affairs in china are not yet concluded and i cannot know the full amount of my fortune for at least six months i did however say to monsieur labriere in paris that i would guarantee a dot of two hundred thousand francs in ready money i wish to entail my estates and enable my grandchildren to inherit my arms and title canalis did not listen to this statement after the opening sentence the four riders having now reached a wider road went abreast and soon reached a stretch of tableland from which the eye took in on one side the rich valley of the seine towards rouen and on the other an horizon bounded only by the sea butcher was right god is the greatest of all landscape painters said canalis contemplating the view which is unique among the many fine scenes that have made the shores of the seine so justly celebrated above all do we feel that my dear baron said the duke on hunting days when nature has a voice and a lively tumult breaks the silence at such times the landscape changing rapidly as we ride through it seems really sublime the sun is the inexhaustible palette said modeste looking at the poet in a species of bewilderment a remark that she presently made on his absence of mind gave him an opportunity of saying that he was just then absorbed in his own thoughts an excuse that authors have more reason for giving than other men 
are we really made happy by carrying our lives into the midst of the world and swelling them with all sorts of fictitious wants and over-excited vanities said modeste moved by the aspect of the fertile and billowy country too long for a philosophically tranquil life this is a bucolic mademoiselle which is only written on tablets of gold said the poet and sometimes under garret roofs remarked the colonel modeste threw a piercing glance at canalis which he was unable to sustain she was conscious of a ringing in her ears darkness seemed to spread before her and then she suddenly exclaimed in icy tones ah it is wednesday i do not say this to flatter your passing caprice mademoiselle said the duke to whom the little scene so tragical for modeste had left time for thought but i declare i am so profoundly disgusted with the world and the court and paris that had i a duchess de Harivel, gifted with the wit and graces of mademoiselle i would gladly bind myself to live like a philosopher at my chateau doing good around me draining my marshes educating my children that monsieur le duc will be set to the account of your great goodness said modeste letting her eyes rest steadily on the noble gentleman you flatter me in not thinking me frivolous and in believing that i have enough resources within myself to be able to live in solitude it is perhaps my lot she added glancing at canalis with an expression of pity it is the lot of all insignificant fortunes said the poet paris demands babylonian splendor sometimes i ask myself how i have ever managed to keep it up the king does that for both of us said the duke candidly we live on his majesty's bounty if my family had not been allowed after the death of monsieur le grand as they called cinq mars to keep his office among us we should have been obliged to sell harraville back to the black brethren ah believe me mademoiselle it is a bitter humiliation to me to have to think of money in marrying the simple honesty of this confession came from his heart and the regret was so sincere that it touched modeste in these days said the poet no man in france monsieur le duc is rich enough to marry a woman for herself her personal worth her grace or her beauty the colonel looked at canalis with a curious eye after first watching modeste whose face no longer expressed the slightest astonishment for persons of high honor he said slowly it is a noble employment of wealth to repair the ravages of time and destiny and restore the old historic families yes papa said modeste gravely the colonel invited the duke and canalis to dine with him sociably in their riding dress promising them to make no change himself when modeste went to her room to make her toilette she looked at the jeweled whip she had disdained in the morning what workmanship they put into such things nowadays she said to francois cochette who had, who had become her waiting-maid that poor young man mademoiselle who has got a fever who told you that monsieur butcher he came here this afternoon and asked me to say to you that he hoped you would notice he had kept his word on the appointed day modeste came down to the salon dressed with royal simplicity my dear father she said aloud taking the colonel by the arm please go and ask after monsieur de la briere's health and take him back his present you can say that my small means as well as my natural tastes forbid my wearing ornaments which are only fit for queens and courtesans besides i can only accept gifts from a bridegroom beg him to keep the whip until you know whether you are rich enough to buy it back my little girl has plenty of good sense said the colonel kissing his daughter on the forehead 
Canalis took advantage of a conversation which began between the Duke and Madame Magnon to escape the terrace where Modeste had joined him, influenced by curiosity, though the poet believed her desire to become Madame de Canalis had brought her there. Rather alarmed at the indecency with which he had just executed what soldiers call a volte face, and which, according to the laws of ambition, every man in his position would have executed quite as brutally, he now endeavoured, as the unfortunate Modeste approached him, to find plausible excuses for his conduct. "'Dear Modeste,' he began, in a coaxing tone, "'considering the terms on which we stand to each other, shall I displease you if I say that your replies to the Duc de Herouville were very painful to a man in love, above all to a poet whose soul is feminine, nervous, full of the jealousies of true passion? I should make a poor diplomatist, indeed, if I had not perceived that your first coquetries, your little premeditated inconsistencies, were only assumed for the purpose of studying our characters.' Modeste raised her head with the rapid, intelligent, half-coquettish motion of a wild animal, in whom instinct produces such miracles of grace. And therefore, when I returned home and thought them over, they never misled me. I only marveled at a cleverness so in harmony with your character and your countenance. Do not be uneasy. I never doubted that your assumed duplicity covered an angelic candor. No, your mind, your education, have in no way lessened the precious innocence which we demand in a wife. You are indeed a wife for a poet, a diplomatist, a thinker, a man destined to endure the chances and changes of life, and my admiration is equalled only by the attachment I feel to you. I now entreat you, if yesterday you were not playing a little comedy when you accepted the love of a man whose vanity will change to pride if you accept him, one whose defects will become virtues under your divine influence, I entreat you do not excite a passion which in him amounts to vice. Jealousy is a noxious element in my soul, and you have revealed to me its strength. It is awful. It destroys everything. Oh, I do not mean the jealousy of an Otello, he continued, noticing Modeste's gesture. No, no, my thoughts were of myself. I have been so indulged on that point. You know the affection to which I owe all the happiness I have ever enjoyed. Very little at the best, he sadly shook his head. Love is symbolized among all nations as a child because it fancies the world belongs to it, and it cannot conceive otherwise. Well, nature herself set the limit to that sentiment. It was stillborn. A tender maternal soul guessed and calmed the painful constriction of my heart. For a woman who feels, who knows that she is past the joys of love, becomes angelic in her treatment of others. The Duchess has never made me suffer in my sensibilities. For ten years, not a word, not a look that could wound me. I attach more value to words, to thoughts, to looks, than ordinary men. If a look is to me a treasure beyond all price, the slightest doubt is deadly poison. It acts instantaneously. My love dies. I believe, contrary to the mass of men who delight in trembling, hoping, expecting, that love can only exist in perfect, infantile, and infinite security. The exquisite purgatory where women delight to send us by their coquetry is a base happiness to which I will not submit. To me, love is either heaven or hell. If it is hell, I will have none of it. I feel an affinity with the azure skies of paradise within my soul. I can give myself without reserve, without secrets or doubts or deceptions in the life to come, and I demand reciprocity. Perhaps I offend you by these doubts. Remember, however, that I am only talking of myself. 
a good deal but never too much said modeste offended in every hole and corner of her pride by this discourse in which the duchesse de chelieu served as a dagger i am so accustomed to admire you my dear poet well then can you promise me the same canine fidelity which i offer to you is it not beautiful is it not just what you have longed for but why dear poet do you not marry a deaf-mute and one who is also something of an idiot i ask nothing better than to please my husband but you threaten to take away from a girl the very happiness you so kindly arrange for her you are tearing away every gesture every word every look you cut the wings of your bird and then expect it to hover above you i know poets are accused of inconsistency oh very unjustly she added as canalise made a gesture of denial that alleged defect which comes from the brilliant activity of their minds which commonplace people cannot take into account i do not believe however that a man of genius can invent such irreconcilable conditions and call his invention life you are requiring the impossible solely for the pleasure of putting me in the wrong like the enchanters in fairy tales who set tasks to persecuted young girls whom the good fairies come and deliver in this case the good fairy would be true love said canalise in a curt tone aware that his elaborate excuse for a rupture was seen through by the keen and delicate mind which butcha had piloted so well my dear poet you remind me of those fathers who inquire into a girl's dot before they are willing to name that of their son you are quarrelling with me without knowing whether you have the slightest right to do so love is not gained by such dry arguments as yours the poor duke on the contrary abandons himself to it like my uncle toby with this difference that i am not the widow wadman the widow indeed of many illusions as to the poetry at the present moment ah yes we young girls will not believe in anything that disturbs our world of fancy i was warned of all this beforehand my dear poet you are attempting to get up a quarrel which is unworthy of you i no longer recognize the melchior of yesterday because melchior has discovered a spirit of ambition in you which modeste looked at him from head to foot with an imperial eye but i shall be peer of france and ambassador as well as he added canalise do you take me for a bourgeois she said beginning to mount the steps of the portico but she instantly turned back and added that is less impertinent than to take me for a fool the change in your conduct comes from certain silly rumours which you have heard in havre and which my maid francois has repeated to me ah modeste how can you think it said canalise striking a dramatic attitude do you think me capable of marrying you only for your money if i do you that wrong after your edifying remarks on the banks of the seine can you easily undeceive me she said annihilating him with her scorn ah thought the poet as he followed her into the house if you think my little girl that i'm to be caught in that net you take me to be younger than i am dear dear what a fuss about an artful little thing whose esteem i value about as much as that of the king of borneo but she has given me a good reason for the rupture by accusing me of such unworthy sentiments isn't she sly la Briere will get a burden on his back idiot that he is and five years hence it will be a good joke to see them together the coldness which this altercation produced between modeste and canalise was visible to all eyes that evening the poet went off early on the ground of la Briere's illness leaving the field to the grand equerry about eleven o'clock butcha who had come to walk home with madame latournelle whispered in modeste's ear was i right alas yes she said 
but i hope you have left the door half open so that he can come back we agreed upon that you know anger got the better of me said modeste such meanness sent the blood to my head and i told him what i thought of him well so much the better when you are both so angry that you can't speak civilly to each other i engage to make him desperately in love and so pressing that you will be deceived yourself come come butcha he is a great poet he is a gentleman he is a man of intellect your father's eight millions are more to him than all that eight millions exclaimed modeste my master who has sold his practice is going to provence to attend to the purchase of lands which your father's agent has suggested to him the sum that is to be paid for the estate of la bastille is four millions your father has agreed to it you are to have a dot of two millions and another million for an establishment in paris a hotel and furniture now count up ah then i can be duchess de Herville, cried modeste glancing at butcha if it hadn't been for that comedian of a canalis you would have kept his whip thinking it came from me said the dwarf indirectly pleading la briere's cause monsieur butcha may i ask if i am to marry to please you said modeste laughing that fine fellow loves you as well as i do and you loved him for eight days retorted butcha and he has got a heart can he compete pray with an office under the crown there are but six grand almoner chancellor grand chamberlain grand master high constable grand admiral but they don't appoint high constables any longer in six months mamselle the masses who are made up of wicked butches could send all those grand dignities to the winds besides what signifies nobility in these days there are not a thousand real noblemen in france the de Herovilles are descended from a tipstaff in the time of robert of normandy you will have to put up with many a vexation from the old aunt with the furrowed face look here as you are so anxious for the title of duchess you belong to the comtat and the pope will certainly think as much of you as he does of all those merchants down there he'll sell you a douchey with some name ending in ia or agno don't play away your happiness for an office under the crown End of section 24. Read by Don W. Jenkins. Rancho San Diego, California. Shaggybark.blogspot.com.